morning, and welcome to Inside School Food on the Heritage Radio Network. I am Laura Stanley, uh, and today's episode is one I've been wanting to do for a long time because it is so creative and tasty and interesting and important. Um, we're going to be talking about the universe of whole grains that aren't milled and processed into breads and pastas, um, grains that we eat intact, in other words. Um, we've talked about a few of them individually on the show before, but now you're going to get to hear about all of them at once in a little short course uh, guided by whole grains guru Colleen Donnelly. Uh, Colleen is the K-12 through corporate chef for In Harvest, and this is her second appearance on Inside School Food. Um, under Colleen's watch, In Harvest has emerged as an important driver of culture change in school food, introducing districts to a spectrum of highly nutritious ancient grains and grain blends. Um, I'm also pleased to have the participation of school nutrition professionals from five districts from across the country who called in to tell us about their experiences in working with intact grains. So you'll be hearing from them shortly. But first, let's say good morning to Colleen. Welcome back, Colleen. Hi, Laura. Thank you. Excited to be back. Yeah. Um, I guess the, the, the term intact grain sounds a little clinical. I never heard it before um, you told me. So let's start out by, like, what is an intact grain? Well, it's just, it's literal. It, nothing's been done to the grain. It's been, it's had its outer hull removed, but that's it. It's, it's completely as it was in nature. Um, it is a whole grain, so the, the terms are interchangeable, but an intact grain is one that, has, that is still completely whole. It hasn't been crushed. It hasn't been polished. It hasn't been ground into flour. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's so it's different from a whole grain because a whole grain can have those things done to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And it acts different. Your body your body treats the two differently. Okay. Um, how is intact that? grains are harder to digest. Which okay. Is, which is really good. That's what your body wants to do is digest stuff. Right. Right. So. Um, I mean, to the extent of your knowledge, how how is the use of intact greens in school meals growing? It seems like we are seeing a lot more. We are seeing a lot more, and I think that that's because um, there were a lot of districts that were way ahead of the game before the 2012 guidelines kicked in, requiring um, grains to be to be 50 percent whole grain. Um, schools like uh, a lot of schools had had already been starting brown rice. They knew this was coming. They started to change the, the 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 rice to brown rice so that the kids just sort of got into that that textural. They got used to the textural nature of it. Um, New York City Schools is a really good example of sort of easing their kids into the regulations. They were serving a blend of white rice that had wheat berries in it. That was one of our blends, and they served it for years. Mm-hmm. And this was well before that the guidelines kicked in. So, so their kids were sort of <clears throat> primed for for the for the new guidelines. And when they when the guidelines hit, they they switched to a brown rice blend with black barley. Mm-hmm. And and so so th- they were poised. They were poised to do that. The kids were already used to the different textures and the different flavors of of intact grains. Right. And um, and you told me that for. Um you know, districts that are a little intimidated about, you know, how do you cook these things? It, it's basically this, you recommend, you know, the same method for every one of the grains that we're going to talk about today, right? Well, yeah, I I understand that schools don't have a lot of equipment. And so I just go with the lowest common denominator, which is the oven. So 
ideally, if you start with boiling water, put your grains in a hotel pan, add the boiling water, cover it with the amount of water that you need, and then um, cover it and put it in an oven and walk away until it's done, um, it, they're going to cook. And they cook evenly and they cook nicely. So I don't... We offer recommendations for steamers and, and combi ovens, but I get that not a lot of schools have them, so mm-hmm, it's, just, mm-hmm. it's actually easier to do them in the oven. Yeah, so it, it sounds pretty foolproof. And in, in terms of um, what the USDA credits as grain, everything we're going to talk about today is credited um, the same way, right? Yes, as long as nothing has been done to the grain itself. It mm-hmm. has not been polished. It has not been milled. Um, you really want to stay away from uh, the words quick cooking mm-hmm. um, in anything. Um, reduced cook time, that, that's, that, that means that something has been done to the outer layer. The part of the brand has been removed, and so it cooks faster. Right. Um, if, if nothing has been done to that, then they pretty much all, all credit the same. It's a half cup as a serving. I do it by um, dry weight, so an ounce of our, our rice comes in two-pound bags. So one bag has 32. Okay. All right. So our first message is about the the one you just talked about, the most familiar intact grain, good old brown rice. Can we hear our first message, Jack? This is Stephanie West, and um, I am a culinary specialist of Monterey Peninsula Unified School District. Currently, we're using more familiar grains, such as brown rice, and we see this as an opportunity to introduce our students to the heartier textures and flavors of other insect grains. Uh, We try to work off of our students' preferences and cultural backgrounds and prepare the rice and dishes our students have had or seen before. For example, we use brown rice in our homemade ham-fried rice and also in our cilantro lime rice, um, trying to mimic the dishes from popular restaurants that our students have been to. And aside from being the healthier, more nutrient-dense option, uh, intact grains um, also hold up better than processed or enriched grains, which is great for our larger production level. The more we can get our students accustomed to the brown rice and familiar recipes, then the more we can expand on new rice preparations as well as preparing different grains. Yeah, so Stephanie had told me that they, you know, like so many districts are having trouble getting the brown uh, or rather the whole grain rich pasta to hold up, but they're not having that problem with brown rice. And as you heard, um, they really are uh, getting their students accustomed to it by introducing recipes that are familiar to them, either from their their culture at home or in local restaurants. Uh, um, Colleen, you, you call brown rice the, the gateway intact grain. <laughs> it is, it is. Uh, you know, as I said, the, the, the districts who had already introduced it have now have no problem introducing uh, other intact grains. It's brown rice is great. It's, there are a lot of different varieties of, of brown rice. There's long grain. There's medium grain. Um, the medium grain is a little bit softer. Mm-hmm. It is a little quicker cooking. Uh, there's a high starch content to it. Again, as long as nothing's been done to it, it cooks nice and evenly. Mm-hmm. So I would say medium grain is, is you know, a nice way to introduce kids to a to the to the brown rice culture. And yes, let's mimic what's going on in restaurants as long as it's healthy, um, because that's what kids really respond to. Right, right. When I when I look at what um, whole uh, brown rice is the uh, USDA is offering, I see both long grain and medium, and then I see both those are varieties available as parboiled and regular. What would be the reason for choosing one over the other? 
Well, it's it's just parboiling's been done for for many 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 decades or centuries even. It's 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 a method of uh, converting the starch in the in the rice to a sort of a a, a, a gelatinous a gelatinized um, form. You can tell by looking at it whether it's been whether it's been parboiled. It has a bit of a yellowish color. It's mm-hmm. um it's it's more like glass or it's it's a little translucent. Um, it's quite pretty. Uh, and what that does is it's it, it's fortified with a cup with some iron and some other nutrients and. And it, and it cooks up a little bit differently. It's a, it's a, um, because the starch has been gelatinized or converted, which you've heard that parboiled and converted are the same things. Mm. Um, the, it cooks up a little bit, a little bit, um, drier. It doesn't get as, it doesn't, it's not as sticky. Mm-hmm. So, and that might be something that, you know, everybody likes their rice differently. And I like de- it a little stickier. Yeah. Some people want it separate. Depending on the dish. But it, it but, but parboiled is still an intact grain. It counts, right? Oh sure, yeah, That's yeah, good yeah. To know. Okay, great. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. I think people associate it with um, instant rice, and, and that could not be farther from the truth. Okay. It still takes as long to cook. Okay, good to know. Um, and then there are, you know, there are other colors of unpolished rice. There's black and red, and you know, tell us about the the kinds out there. Well, there are just tons, and I think it's interesting that there are like forty thousand different varieties of rice. And on this earth, and I think one of the things that always surprises me to hear is that people don't know. Some people don't know that white rice comes from a started life as a different color. Mm-hmm. Um, usually brown, but there's there's black, and then there are different varieties of black. Um, there's Italian black. There's Chinese black. Um, there's there's red. The jasmine rice can come in in its intact form. Can be brown. Can be red. Uh, there's just it's it's you know a lot of colors out there and all taste different and wonderful. Yeah, and you said that you know when you cook it and it blooms, you can see that white interior. That's where the truth is revealed. <laughs> um, right. If yeah, exactly. You, you you know by cutting it open that it's white inside. Yeah, and, and you told me that in harvest actually has a blend that's different colors. What what's in that? We have a couple of blends that that contain different colors. One of the ones that we developed for. Um, I'll just put it out, California Thursdays out there. Um, it's a blend of five different rices, and it's got it's got wild rice, which is technically a, a, not a grain, it's a grass, mm-hmm. um, and that's got that deep black color. Um, it's got two different varieties of brown rice. One of them is uh, medium grain, one of them is sprouted, and then two different varieties of red rice. One is an heirloom variety, and the other one is a sprouted. So that's a, that's very popular with California Thursdays. They're all grown here in the state of California. Mm-hmm. And what's the importance of including sprouted rice in that blend? Well, this is a you know this is probably a show of its own, but um, <laughs> very briefly, sprouted rice is is uh, the the grain of rice can become a plant, and when it's sprouted with it, with the application of heat and and uh, moisture in a controlled environment the plant actually starts to grow. It sprouts. The little germ that has been that remains in an intact grain starts to grow. All kinds of enzymes and nutrients are released and it is as if that plant were that little grain of rice were the were the entire plant. So vitamin C increases, the folate increases, antioxidants increase, um, soluble fiber increases, um, gluten actually decreases, which is interesting. Uh-huh. And it, and it's it's as if you were eating 
the whole life force of the plant. So the nutritional benefits are really huge in sprouted sprouted grains. Fascinating, fascinating. Okay, and they're let, softer. They're yeah. Actually, they cook up a little bit softer, so right. the texture is a little more tender. And it sounds like cooking doesn't compromise all those nutritional benefits. No, no, they're all there. Yeah, great, great. Okay, so our next message is also from California. Hi, this is Nancy Rostamelli, and I am the Nutrition Services Director for Loda Unified School District located in the Central Valley of California. We have been trying to explore alternative grains in our students and staff since the introduction of the grain regulations. I realized quickly, though, that I needed to start by educating our staff about grains that were anything outside of the basic rice. So we started with a wonderful grain training class over the summer break and allowed our staff to explore the flavors, the textures, and then to build shaker salads using all these wonderful varieties of grains. Soon after that class, we developed a cold wheat berry salad recipe for the Fresh Meals at School program for the California Department of Education. In Lodi, the wheat berry salad that we developed was menued across the K-12 grade level. We placed it on our salad and vegetable bars. And while it is not one of our biggest sellers, I think due to the fact that the flavor profile and texture is geared more towards a young adult or our older student population, we will continue to menu the item across all grade levels so that we can expose our students to these more robust flavor profiles and at the same time continue to educate them and expose them to these new old grains. So, um, Colleen, that class that Nancy talked about, you, you ran that class, didn't you? I did. I did. It's probably the most fun I've ever had in a, in a school. <laughs> yeah. She invited me to do a just sort of an overview, um, kind of like what we're doing today, just talking about grains and, and why intact grains are important. And so I did, you know, just a PowerPoint, and that was that was kind of cut and dried. And then, and then we busted it open with a bunch of shaker salads. And I demoed a shaker salad for them, which is um, briefly a, it's basically a composed salad of grains, protein, and vegetables, um, all in compliance with um, the guidelines. And so it's a grab and go reimbursable meal. Mm-hmm. And they're ver- the sky's the limit with the ingredients, um, with what you can use. And so we ha- we just had tables of ingredients. And this we're talking a room full of about, of about 70 people and um, shaker cups. And everybody ran around and made um, reimbursable shaker salads and shook them. And I- I've never seen so many shaker salads in one place. Uh, <laughs> and they, and this, they, they loved it. They loved it. It was a really fun activity. Um, we got the buy-in from the staff. And... Uh, and, and they, and they, you know, they, you, you have to have, you have to have them liking their jobs first before they can, before they can be Absolutely. putting out healthy, healthy foods. So it was, it was just a great way to introduce them and get their, get their support. And get their- right. And then as Nancy said, they decided, um, as their first attempt at intact greens on their line, they tried wheat berry, um, salad. So just in brief, what's a wheat berry? The wheat berry is a, is an intact <clears throat> wheat. Uh, grain. So it is ground into, um, if left intact, it's gra- it, when it's ground, it's ground into whole wheat flour. Mm-hmm. If it's polished, it's ground into white flour. Um, very simply, it's, it tastes like pasta. It tastes like, um, it tastes like bread because it's, it's wheat. Yes, it's wheat. Um, and I think they probably used the wheat berry because that was a, um, 
I think it was a Department of Ed um, initiative, and wheatberry is a wheatberry is U.S. grown. So, mm-hmm. so we're always we're always looking for that for that U.S. grown here right, in the, in the right, right. Whole culture. And and I and I admire the way she talked about familiarizing students. You know, she said not a top choice, but we're putting it out there and we're even offering it to the younger children because, as we know, over time they will get accustomed to new things. So, right. You just have to keep putting it out there. You can't just try something and then and then, you know, throw it in the back in the in the warehouse because it didn't work once. Right, right. Okay, so we've just heard from two districts that are relative beginners within Tech Greens. Um let's pause for station break and when we come back we'll hear from some districts that have worked up to more of a variety. You're listening to Inside School Food. Stay with us. <laughs> Welcome back. Today we're talking about so-called intact grains with whole grains evangelist Colleen Donnelly of In Harvest. Um, all of the messages we're using today are about lunch items, but but I do want to add that intact grains can be used in school breakfast too. Um, we had a call from Gretchen Chaya in Woodstock, Vermont, about house-made granola made with oats, dried fruit, and local maple syrup. Um, and apparently this is pretty common practice in Vermont schools. And, of course, you can do this with commodity ingredients. Uh, but let's return to lunch. Uh, now we're going to hear from a few heavy users of Intact Greens. Uh, first, let's look at Cambridge Public Schools in Massachusetts. This is Melissa Honeywood from Cambridge Public Schools. I'm the food service director out here in Cambridge, and we use Intact Grains uh, both in our elementary level as well as at the high school. Uh, the high school has uh, gives us particular leniency to be creative in the Intact Grains that we use, and most of our recipes were actually developed by some of the supervisors that we have on staff there because we have two folks with uh, family members or either themselves have celiac disease, so where they were always creatively looking for new grains to offer their children and serve themselves at home that uh, weren't wheat-based and were gluten-free. So we actually serve a chickpea barley and feta salad that the students really take to, as well as a quinoa with black beans and cilantro. These are both served cold and accompany a variety of options that we serve on the menu each day. And it has been a really great addition to our menu at the high school, and the students really look forward to it. Yeah, so celiac is a very serious autoimmune disease, and according to the Whole Grains Council, um, 1% to 2% of the population, so one or two kids out of every 100, suffer from celiac, and for them, gluten is toxic. Um, So, Colleen, what, what intact grains do not have any gluten in them? Um, quite a few, actually. Um, it's a shorter list of ones that do. So, uh, quinoa, buckwheat, corn, millet, rice and wild rice, uh, sorghum, uh, gluten-free oats are all free of gluten. Um, oats being a little bit particular, they, they need to be certified gluten-free, and that's not because oats contain gluten. It's because um, they're often 
planted near wheat, and they're highly susceptible to um, contamination by gluten. Uh, uh-huh. So you, you really want to see that 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 certified gluten free label. Right, right. And then all of all the grains you just mentioned, quinoa is far and away the most popular in schools. And when I learned this, I was really taken by surprise in a good way. Why is quinoa such a hit with kids? Well, I think it's 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 the same reason anything is popular with kids because they see it all over the place. Quinoa has had has had a, an incredible run in this country. Um, it's it's become very very popular. Um, partly, in fact, because it's one of the few non um, one of the few plant uh, items that is a is a complete protein. It contains mm-hmm. all eight essential amino acids. Um, to to form a protein, so you don't have to pair it with something else. So that's 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 one of the reasons it's it's popular with with grownups. Kids don't really care about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's easy. It's it's um, it's tender. It's got this nice nutty flavor. It absorbs flavors. It's not um, it's not as textural as some of the other whole grains. And then there's um, different varieties, different colors. And you you said it so they go from white to black. Um, what yeah, you know yeah. what sells white, best in black. schools. Um, white is definitely the the best seller um, in schools. It's easy. It's it's um, a little faster to cook. It's not as textural. The red and the black um, ha- have a bit more of an intense flavor um, mm-hmm. and are are just a little more textural. The black in particular is a little sandy, but they're really nice um, mixed together. Yeah, blend. Yeah, I I could see that because the, the 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 red and black are kind of vegetal, so possibly more challenging. They all um, have a natural. Um, uh, insecticide on them that uh, is harmless, but tastes kind of soapy. So you got to rinse it, right? You do. You do. I got a call this week from a district that said, um, we're trying out somebody else's quinoa and we're doing a side-by-side taste test against yours. And um, and it tastes bitter. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, that's because they didn't clean it. It's really important um, that the insecticide, the natural insecticide on quinoa is called saponin, mm-hmm. and it keeps the bugs away. But it also tastes very bitter, and that's why it keeps the bugs away. Uh, so it has to be rinsed, and it has to be rinsed multiple times. So you really want you really want to know your um, your provider is cleaning the quinoa because you, you really don't want to have to do that in, in, in your schools. It's a lot if you're cooking in mass quantities. Um, so quinoa, for the most part, is not grown in the U.S. So there are there are some um, regions that are are trying it out. I know that there are some growers in Colorado that are trying to develop an industry there. So mostly it comes from the Andes. And um, I, I found a really interesting article um, from Slate about um, the impact on the economy there and who's growing it. Um, it it's so I will be posting that on today's show page if you're curious to learn more about, um, you know, what this trade has, has meant to the people who are growing the quinoa. Um, and then, Colleen, while we're on the subject of gluten-free, I, I know that you're introducing a new gluten-free brand, blend that has some unusual stuff in it that uh, maybe some of us haven't heard of. Wait, what's in there? It's got uh, red and white sorghum. And this is, we haven't even named this yet, so don't be, don't be looking at this. Uh, okay. <laughs> to, come. to get this right away. <laughs> okay. um, it's got naked oats, which is an oat berry, mm-hmm. and it's got um, wild rice. So it's, it's interesting, it's unique, it's uh, hopefully going to take off. Yeah, I think a lot of people never, we never really thought about the fact that oat comes from a berry. We think of them as rolled or steel cut, so it's actually a little exactly. berry. Is it like the size yeah, of a wheat totally berry? totally unprocessed. 
Say that again? What's it like? What does an oat berry look like? Is it about the size of a wheat berry? It's a little bit smaller, mm -hmm. a little um, sort of uh, more oval. Cool. All right. Um, so now we're going to go to the far end um, with a message about my personal favorite intact grain. Hi, this is Andrea Northup calling from Minneapolis Public Schools in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I am calling to talk about our um, farro salad, um, which we made using a chef-inspired dressing, uh, a curry citrus vinaigrette. Um, and we taste tested it with about 18,000 Minneapolis school students over the past couple weeks. And it was a, a pretty good success. Um, we're going to make some tweaks and menu it uh, coming up soon here under the new name that kids came up with of Far Out Pharaoh Salad. Um, you know, it was a really unique consistency that I think some kids liked and some kids didn't, but it was a, a good educational experience, and uh, we're excited to menu this new whole grain in its whole form. I, I think there's a fair amount of confusion about what farro actually is, so let's start there, Colleen. Well, and you can go to many different sources and get many different answers. It It, it is a little confusing. So there are three different kinds of... Um, Faro is sort of an umbrella term for uh, a type of of wheat. It is a type of wheat, so there is gluten. Um, and really more importantly, it's where it comes from and what happens to it. Um, our faro comes from a farmer in Italy who's been growing it for us for, for years. And it, all faro in Italy is is partially pearled or mm -hmm. perlato. So that's important to know. Um, our faro will not credit per USDA guidelines. Um, Minneapolis yeah. schools is not using ours. They're they're likely using a domestic variety that um, that is not pearled. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more textural. Uh, the key to that, and I'm sure they know this because uh, they have some great chefs over there, um, is that it needs to be soaked overnight to sort of rehydrate it and uh, make the cook time a little bit more even, a little shorter, and and it'll it'll give you that creamy consistency that okay. the pearl does. Yeah, so you, you just taught me some things I didn't know about my very favorite grain. It, and as you said, when, when it is semi-pearled, it results in a kind of a creamy consistency or a can that they can make a, a kind of risotto with in Italy. But that's not how Minneapolis is using it. It's more like the other grains that we've been talking about. It's really appropriate for a salad. They tested it on 18,000 children. Well, they, they do everything right there. Oh you know, 18,000 stu students are tasting this and giving the thumbs up or thumbs down. And yeah. that's basically what, what you need. You can't just throw something out on the salad bar and expect kids to like it. They named it. Uh -huh. They let the kids name it. They let the kids taste it. They're tweaking it. They're tweaking the recipe. These are all things that, that you have to do. It, 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 nothing is going to be successful on, on day one. Um, it's, it's always going to, you're always going to need input from everybody, um, and not the least of which are the, the, <clears throat> the food service staff who are actually cooking it because they're the ones on the ground. 
Right. It reminds me of, of a, me a message that we regrettably cannot use today from Natomas, California. And um, the food service director there told me that they actually have a club of students who work directly with food service staff and develop the recipes together. So talk about, you know, getting buy-in. Whatever your method, you, you do really need to do it. And I understand that Minneapolis is, <laughs> okay, so they're way out using Faro. They might be the only district in the country that's using it. But they, they are using a lot of other intact grains, too. They've been quite adventurous, haven't they? Well, they have. Remember, this is Bertrand Weber is the guy who wants to put goat on the menu for his Somali population. <laughs> so, so we we can expect some pretty progressive things coming out of Minneapolis schools. There, it's it's a long list of of intact grains that they've been using over the years: brown rice, wild rice, red jasmine, brown basmati, wheat berries, quinoa. Uh, most recently, our black pearl medley, which is a parboiled long grain brown, um, black barley, and daikon radish seeds. So, mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're pretty much all over the place with their intact grain use. It's, it's incredibly creative and very ambitious, and this is for a district that only recently has been able to scratch cook. So it's, it's very exciting to, to watch um, the, their progress. Um, Farrow, wow. Okay, yeah. so speaking of pioneers, um, there's really no way we could cover this topic without input from this Intact Greens pioneer. Hi, my name is Ann Cooper. I'm Director of Food Services for Boulder Valley School Districts. And we love using intact grains. One of the great ways to get kids to eat intact grains is on the salad bar. It's, it's wonderful because we have grain salads on the salad bar in K-12 every single day. Salads like tabbouleh salad, southwest quinoa salad, and wheatberry salad. And not only do we have them on the salad bar, but as a way to introduce intact whole grains to kids, we do tastings. So we'll go through the cafeterias and elementary and middle schools and walk around the whole cafeterias with little tasting cups with these salads in it. A couple other items that the kids really enjoy are Thai fried rice and quinoa kale burgers. And with the Thai fried rice, we serve them with dumplings. Um, <laughs> so... I know, Colleen, you've spent a lot of time with Ann Cooper in Boulder, and, and you know, she, she's not only doing a remarkable job with a wide variety of intact grains, but her, her kitchen is kind of a test kitchen for the rest of the country. I mean, what, what, what is, like, you know, what does her salad bar look like, and what is she working with? The salad bar is beautiful. Um, yeah, she's a, she was the pioneer of the salad bar, um, which is not to say that other districts didn't have them, but she started the Let's Move Salad Bars to Schools um, program, and it, it, she's she uses the salad bar as a place to introduce things, as she said, and which is a great idea. Um, you leave it out there long enough, the kids are likely to try it. She does tastings um, with kids. I can't say it enough. You have to do tastings with kids. Mm -hmm. You have to run around the, the, the lunchroom with little little containers of food and give them to the kids. Um, the, the, her, her being a test kitchen, first, and she just said this to um, a group of people last week, she said, first, I have to like it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really important to know that somebody in charge has got to understand quality and has got to understand food, as Anne does. If it passes her test, then it can go on and and go through the, the, the proper channels. But um, that's a, it's important to have somebody at the top know what they're talking about. Um, her recipes are all. It, it, she offers she offers recipes on her lunchbox website that she are um, 
Yeah, it, tons of recipes, lots right. of intact grain recipes. Right, right. Um, her components are credited. It's in USDA format, very easy to read. You can explode them. It's a great resource. Yeah, I'm going to be putting a link um, to that on today's show page, as well as a link to uh, uh, In Harvest's um, Whole Grain Recipes for K-12. It's an excellent collection on your website as well. Um, so there's going to be a lot of stuff on today's show page, so people really should look at it. Um, Anne mentioned something called a kale quinoa burger, and I told you, I was like, ooh, what's that? I was kind of skeptical. And you said, no, 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 it's delicious, so tell me what it is. Tell me why it's well, delicious. <laughs> why it's delicious? Um, because it came out of Anne's kitchen. Probably is one of the reasons it's, it's delicious. I do a lot of recipe development with them. Um, sometimes I'll go down and, and cook with um, cook with her chef Brandy, and we'll come up with some with some ideas. Um, mostly, uh, they come up with stuff on their own. But kale quinoa burger is it, it, it's it's a mixture of cooked kale. Um, cooked kale and cooked um, quinoa bound together uh, sometimes with eggs and cheese. The, the, the specifics of it aren't really that important. It's more of a concept. It's mm-hmm. that um, all grains can be made, intact grains can be made into burgers. Mm-hmm. In, in, and, you know, throw some beans in there and you have a protein credit. Um, I developed a, a heirloom rice uh, veggie burger for uh, school in, here in California. Interested in another California Thursdays program or Thursdays uh, item, which mm-hmm. is our call. Sorry, red rice, and and it makes it 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 just makes a really intensely colored red um, burger, and it uh, it fooled me. I made it, and it fooled me. It tasted like tasted like I was eating a burger. So you're you're so, able to kind of get that meaty umami character into it, and and texture. It's the grains have the texture of meat. Mm-hmm. I've been putting them in dumplings, which is my my new favorite thing to do. Not necessarily for schools, unless we can manufacture them. But mm-hmm. but it it has that that texture of of ground meat, which I find fascinating. Right, right. And yes, the umami. Throw some mushrooms in there, and, and you've got a mushrooms. Got a nice yes, umami mush- filled meal. mushrooms are one of our new favorite topics on Inside School Food. Mm-hmm. And of course, as you said, quinoa is a complete protein, so it's really like eating meat. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Nutritionally, it is. Yeah. 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 Well, um, Colleen, we have to stop here um, because I have to go home now and sprout some greens. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Make sure it's in a controlled environment. I read all about doing it safely. Yes. Um, Thank you so much for coming back on the show today. It's a, a pleasure. Anytime. Um, You've been listening to a tutorial about intact grains in school menus with Colleen Donnelly of In Harvest and five wonderful callers from our community of listeners. Um, If you want to keep the exploration going, check out the links on today's show page on InsideSchoolFood.com. I'm Laura Stanley, and I think you know what I want. Um, let us know who you are by following the Inside School Food news feeds, news feeds sorry, on Facebook or Twitter, or by signing up for our newsletter, which you can find on InsideSchoolFood.com. Um, this is going to be our last episode for what's been a very quiet winter season, um, but we will be back on April 11 with a much fuller spring schedule that we're really excited about. So I look forward to welcoming you back. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. 
You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>